Amen. Hey, one quick announcement. Uh, Women's Night Out this Friday from 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Men's Night Out this Friday, 6.30 to 11 o'clock. Both at Camp Geneva, but on the opposite side. Women are going to be in the pines. Men are going to be on the shores. Great event. Great event for you to come for upperclassmen to get to connect with underclassmen. And we're going to be talking about some really relevant things, uh, challenges that pertain to women and to men. Sign up, Campus Ministry website. Got it? Great. Hey, open up your Bibles or your smartphones to John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, found on page 863 of your Pew Bibles. Now, the Gospel of John will be our primary text that we're going to be traveling through in our chapel services this year. Do you, do you know what gospel means? Good news. Whoa, thank you. It does. Good news. It means good news or news that brings joy. Author Tim Keller writes, the Christian gospel is that God connects to you not on the basis of what you have done or haven't done, but it's based on what Jesus has done in history for you. And the Apostle John in his gospel, from beginning to end, extends an invitation to all of us to give this Jesus a fresh look. A few years ago, author Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled, The Jesus I Never Knew. And in the opening pages of the book, Yancey confesses that through his own reading of the gospels, the Jesus he found bore little resemblance to the Mr. Rogers figure he met in Sunday school and was remarkably unlike the person he had studied in Bible college, forcing a disturbing reevaluation of his image of Jesus. So as we travel through the Gospel of John this year, we hope it will force all of us to give Jesus a fresh look. And for some of us here, it may be a disturbing reevaluation of the person of Jesus. With that in mind, hear the Word of God from John's Gospel, chapter 2, 1 through 11, read by our very own associate chaplain, Jerry Ruder Root. How's that for an intro? The Word of God. Uh, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine came out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you give Ruder a little love in there? Okay. Keep your Bibles open. Don't ever close your Bibles when I'm preaching. Keep them open and your smartphones open. Here we go. So what do we learn about Jesus from this particular text? Let me highlight three things that caught my attention. First, Jesus loves a party. Second, Jesus noticed our needs. And third, Jesus is making all things new. Let me say them again. Jesus loves a party. Second, Jesus noticed our needs. And third, Jesus is making all things new. Sound good? That's where we're traveling. First, Jesus loves a party. Do you know anyone in your lives that by their very presence makes a party better? You got somebody in mind? Well, Jesus was like one of those kind of people. And therefore, throughout the gospel accounts, we find Jesus getting invited to a lot of parties and gatherings. And we see this in our text this morning, verse 2, if you're looking at your Bible or your smartphones, Jesus and his disciples are also invited to the wedding. Jesus was not a party crasher. Jesus was not a party intruder. He did not force himself on others, but through genuine relational interactions with others, he found himself getting invited to a plethora of gatherings with a wide variety of people. People like Roman centurions, Pharisees, tax collectors, prostitutes, leprosy victims. As one author puts it, people liked being with Jesus. Where he was, joy was. I had this picture in my office of Jesus. It's titled, Jesus Laughing. And for most of us, we've grown up maybe with the image of Jesus being very deep, very serious, very stoic-like, a person who did not show much emotion, who was stiff maybe, a little uncomfortable to be around. But that's not the Jesus we find in the gospel accounts of the Bible. Instead, we're introduced to a person who loved to laugh, who cried, who had a great sense of humor, who had the wonderful ability to quickly establish intimacy with people he met. And because of this, because of this, Jesus and his disciples are invited to a wedding at Cana. Now, Jewish weddings were week-long celebrations where the whole community was invited. Hospitality extended to the guest was of highest value to the families who were hosting. A family's reputation was directly connected to the level of hospitality provided to one's community, especially at a public celebration like a wedding. No one wanted a reputation of being stingy or cheap. That would be a great disgrace and shame to the family. That being said, we discover the second thing about Jesus when it says in verse 3 that the wine ran out at the wedding. This is not just an embarrassment to the family, but it's a social disaster. And we see in our text that Jesus notices the need. 
Sometimes we may feel that Jesus is only concerned about the big stuff of life in our world, but our text makes it clear that Jesus also notices our personal needs. I regularly experience people who feel that the needs and issues of their lives are, are just too small for Jesus and, and not really worthy of Jesus' attention. If that's you this morning, I want to tell you that's not true. The wine runs out at the wedding. Jesus notices it, and he instructs the servants to take six stone water jars, which each held 20 to 30 gallons, and fill them up with water. Now, if you're doing the math in your head right now, that's 120 to 180 gallons of water. And the text says they filled it to the brim. And then Jesus charges the servants to draw some of it and take it to the chief steward who is still sober enough to realize that this is the good stuff. Jesus turned the water into wine, which is the third observation regarding Jesus in our text, that Jesus is making all things new. New. Not improved, not better, He's making all things new. Revelation 21.5, Jesus states, See, I am making all things new, which includes not just wine, but people like you and me. Author C.S. Lewis writes, Mirror improvement is not redemption. Though redemption always improves people here and now, will in the end improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. God became human to turn creatures into children, not simply to produce better people of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of person. And here's the cool thing. You ready? Get ready. Here's the cool thing. Jesus is making all things new through new people like you and me. That's such a good line. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is making all things new through new people like you and me. Jesus invites us to be in on this all things new gig. That means if you're on the swim team right now, partner with Jesus to make it new. If you're a resident at Collin Hall or Dykstra, partner with Jesus to make it new. If you're a pull coach right now, partner with Jesus to make it new. If you're an engineer major, partner with Jesus to make it new. If you're a theater major, partner with Jesus to make it new. If you're in a fraternity or sorority, partner with Jesus to make it new. Jesus is making all things new through new people like you and like me. So get in on it. Get in on Jesus making all things new gig. And we're able to do that because of verse 1 in our text. Put your finger on the very first verse, the very first line. Do you got it? On the third day. On the third day. On the third day. Sound familiar? Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, which makes nothing out of bounds which makes no person out of reach, which makes no place or thing too dark from becoming new. Brand spanking new. 
Jesus died and rose from the dead on the third day to make all things new. So what are you waiting for? Get in on it. Get in on Jesus' making all things new because Jesus is making all things new through new people like you and you and you and you and me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, let it be done. Go in peace.